All right. Well, uh, I really, I think you should do this introduction. I feel like we hear my voice a lot. So go, go for it. Oh, um, okay. Well, just cause like the reason why I usually let you do the introduction, just so you know, is cause you know, the guests, you actually know the guests. Um, and I feel like, I feel like, okay, this is why you need to bring your friends. Antisocial person. <laughs> That's why. That's not it's a lot of stress for me. Okay, I'll just do it. I'll do it. I, no, I know, I know you know. I'm not saying it to you. I know, I know. <laughs> he has at least one. <laughs> He's friends with me, so you know he has friends. You know, I mean, if I can take him in as a stray, you know that he has friends, right? Yeah, and more one way more is the majority. But yeah, I just feel like I could read, I could read, I could read Mondrian's bio, but I feel like there's a different vibe. Do you see what I mean? Yes, exactly, exactly. I know, so, you I know. know. All right, all right. So I'm gonna go ahead and get started. Manjuri, we're usually very well put together, but because I think we just have an ease around <laughs> okay. you, why is it more like professional? You than this, okay, so why are you lying Please to the come lady? Come back again. Why? Come back again. All right. <laughs> no lies. This is Friday. Jeez. <laughs> Hi there. Welcome to the More Civil Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them as our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences, we hope that in turn, you are inspired by them and that you get the courage in it to set your own stories free. Enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. This is Mo and... Hi, every day. And today we have one of my very, very special friends. And I'll, how do I even describe her? But let, let's just start. That's a good way to describe her. First, you should know that she's very smart, you know. Um, she completed her PhD, guys, within the Behavioral and Community Health Department at the School of Public Health in um, University of Maryland College Park. She also had, you know, an MPH, you know, with a focus in health promotion from George Washington University. For her undergrad studies, she earned a BS in neuropsychology from the Penn State University. So this girl is, you know, she's loaded. She's interested in interventional and translational research. And we're going to break all of that down. Don't lose us here, okay? Work with me for a moment. And on the topic of depression and anxiety prevention by means of promotion of mental wellness. She's passionate, and I'm telling you, she's very passionate about global mental health, humanitarian health, social justice and working with historically disadvantaged and displaced populations and i know that for a fact because she went when she moved to oklahoma which is where i met her she went seeking those communities and she she did something amazing not just volunteering but also trying to do research to kind of help improve outcomes again she's very badass she's interested now in how digital health and m health can help foster mental well-being in these populations so she's leveraging all of her you know public health and bringing the tech aspect to it and of you know other things that she i know she's very good at is tennis and pickleball and i'll say that because she has my type my husband tyler t-dog as you guys know him on the show he's a tennis player and he's said wonderful things about this lady and if that will compliments your tennis skills you know you're really really good well um she's also 
um, Bengali American and she's a Muslim as well. She's a second generation Muslim Bangladeshi American. And she's actually the second Bengali person we're having on the show or maybe in the first one. Everyone, without further ado, please join us in giving a standing or maybe a muted ovation because this is actually recorded as you're listening to it. So, Mondurin, as she comes on the show, say fat. <laughs> hey! Such a nice welcome. I'm because you're amazing. I mean, this is, I feel it's just a, a tiny, you know, snippet about your life because you, you do great things and you, you've done great things. And it's such an honor to finally have you on the show. Mm. Thank you so much for honoring the invitation. Oh, oh. <laughs> I feel like a celebrity, to be honest. Yeah. Especially the way that you just said everything. Yeah. I think it's the way that you say things. You are really cool. seem really cool. You are really cool because those but are your really words. Like, I'm not. Don't lie there. So, anyways, no, we're glad to have you. You're going to have a hard job convincing us that you're not really you're cool funny. because oh, at this point, it. we are sold. Yeah. Take all yes. of our money. So, I guess the very yes. first question I would like to ask you would be this. Let's even unpack you know, your origin because we know this shows about culture, right? And different lived experiences. And you come with so many of that. And second generation, what does that mean? Being Muslim, being Bangladeshi, and being American. And I'm going to do that thing of comparing your story with Ormi's story, with, who was our guest. She was Italian, you know, Bengali, who's moved to Canada. So some of the questions I might be asking you will just be to almost expand on some of her experiences as well. So tell us what all of those parts mean. Yes. Wait, so question. Am I allowed to ask you guys questions? Depends. Of course you can. <laughs> so this well, is not actually, live, by the no, way. Actually, I have to I'm not sure anyone has ever asked us that. So um I'm, I'm uh, going really? to say yes just because I'm curious to know what your questions would what be. What your question would be? Yes. I mean, so I saw that you guys had um one of your guests was yeah. Italian Bengali, yeah. but I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet. Oh yeah, it's fine. And so I was wondering, is she Bangladesh? Is she from Bangladesh or is she from the Indian like she's part from Bangladesh called Bangladesh? Oh, okay. She's from Bangladesh. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bangla- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's from Bangladesh. Yeah. Wow. She's Bangladesh. And her like, parents. What are the chances? Yes, her parents moved to Italy, and but they're very traditional. And okay. they love coffee. I'm going to take this part out. So she talked about just parents trusting their kids more, some of the difficulties she had. Like, why did you take us to Italy if you don't want us to be, you know, mixed as it were? So yeah. she's moved to Canada now, where she's finally able to say, I'm Italian and I'm also Bangladeshi, you know. But her parents still think she's a little... I'm, I'm sure she, 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 she says, like, her parents think she's a little bit wayward because she's not, like, sticking to all of the traditions and whatnot. Yeah. So I, I don't think, think we should take that part out, is all I was going Really? To say. Okay. And I'm I don't think we should take out this part, but I'm saying we shouldn't take out that part. Please, <laughs> <laughs> Captain, obvious much. But go ahead, I'm wondering. Yeah, it's okay if you haven't listened to the episode. The good thing about it is that I immediately remember the episode like it was yesterday, so we can help, you know, explore more of your aspect of your life. And because I yeah. think this one, there'll be some similarities there and some peculiarities as well. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's really interesting. Okay. Okay, so your question to me was what is it like being a second generation Muslim Bangladeshi American? <laughs> Muslim Bangladeshi American. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I should say that the experience is I think that a lot of immigrants and Muslim children of immigrants who are Muslim 
probably have a lot of shared experiences, but they're not all the same. And so I think a lot of people get annoyed where like there's this new show on Disney Plus called Ms. Marvel. And do you know it? Okay. The first Marvel. Pre- yes. yes. The first Muslim character. Okay, by the way, oh my gosh, Mongerine. <laughs> this dude over here is a Marvel head. Oh, and I love it. I've turned into a dark hole and I want to be a DC fan so hard right now so I can counter both of you, but Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> I just want to say we need to talk about Miss Marvel on this show, and I I feel like we've got the perfect guest to talk about it with. Yes, but, yes, yes, you were saying. Yeah, <laughs> yes, so so you know it's about a Pakistani American Muslim girl in New Jersey growing up, and I I feel like some people are really behind it. I watched watched the first episode. And I was a little bit annoyed because I was like, this Pakistani girl is allowed to be best friends with a white boy, which like I would never be able to do. My parents would like never allow that. Allowed to like go out at night and all this stuff. And so I do know there's a group of like Muslim Americans who are like, oh, this is I did a poll on my Instagram, actually, that was like, are your parents were your parents more strict than Kamala's the same or less strict? And most people said that they their parents were more strict. But all that being said, I think I was just jealous of her life, <laughs> like that she was allowed to like go out and have friends when I was not allowed to do that. Um, but overall, for the culture, I think it's great. Like they do so many great things in there, like integrating the mosques, like someone stealing shoes from the mosque. That actually happens. <laughs> I love it. I'll yeah, say to so a I friend really of mine. I'll say to a friend of mine that I love that scene because, like, yeah, pretty much. All my Muslim friends have had that experience. <laughs> yes. And I was like, why is that this is so real? She was wearing what, like Gucci sandals oh, or yeah. something like that. And I'm like, girl, you don't wear Gucci to sandals. Yeah, I'm not even Muslim, but this I know that first much time already. Going to the mosque. <laughs> right. Those Americans. Like, the tenth pair getting stolen. I'm like, that was the American part of her, her, not the Pakistani part of her that came out. <laughs> yeah. So there are lots of small things in the show that I feel like. Muslims can relate to. I watched with my best friend from college who she her family's Hindu. She's not religious. And so she's like, what's a jinn? Do you guys actually believe in this? And I'm like, tell her the Islamic history behind yeah, it. So yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's just to say that everyone's story is their own. And like, right, like I don't relate to Kamala because her parents were like more free than mine were. Um, so I don't want to offend anyone by saying like, this is how all Bangladeshi Americans are. But yeah, like it was interesting because I think similar to your last guest that you were just talking about, like my parents really wanted to hold on to the traditions of Bangladesh. And my mom was always like, why did we come to this country? Like you guys are becoming too Americanized, blah, blah, blah. Um, But then at the same time are like, we live here and I grew up in a really small town, Williamsport, Pennsylvania that had like five immigrant families growing up and everyone else was like majority white, maybe like 10% African-American, if that. So we became Americanized. Yeah, I think what you said just now actually speaks to something that, um, I think it was Omar who put this the best um, about how um, it's some it's Omi, sorry. Um, about how yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is what you said. Just connect. It's something pretty much 
most of the people we talked to have brought up, but I think it was Rumi that articulated really well. And basically she said, is this tension where um, parents bring their kids here and mm-hmm. and then want the kids to be like where they were from. But it's like, the, yeah. for the kids, it's like, but you brought me here. Exactly. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And like, and I, feel I like, understand it. Like, they yeah. brought us over, right, so that we could get a Better good education and do well in life. Like, I really understand it. But then for my parents, I feel like they didn't teach us that much about the culture and our history. And then, like, well, so they grew up, they were in college when the independence war happened with Pakistan. And so I know that a lot of things were traumatic for them that they saw. So maybe that's why they didn't talk about it. But like I had to, as an adult, look up the history of like everything that happened. And to this day, my dad doesn't really talk about everything because mm. I think it was just too traumatic for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot. Even like, so for Nigeria, we had like, you know, in, 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 there, there, there were some similarities. We were colonized, obviously very different histories in many ways. Um, but, you know, there's this there's a thing that i think um and i think even in nigeria you see this right so um Tony and i have talked before about how like we grew up in a generation where people didn't have their kids speak the the nigerian languages mm-hmm. um, and were encouraged to speak english more because there was this idea then which thankfully um has died i hope a hot flaming death um, the vernacular one, right? There was this idea, yes, that if you if you didn't speak only English, that the local languages would corrupt your English. Yeah, you know, and and so we're encouraged to speak English. And so a lot of kids from that generation and and onward started to sort of lose those languages, and now people are trying yeah. to get those back. Um, yeah, but I think I think for me that gave me some insight into what happens when parents move here as well, because if we're doing that at home, imagine what mm-hmm. for parents who move here. And then there's this sort of, I think it's just a mixture of, of desires, right? So it's like, you want the kid to have the identity, but also you want the kid to integrate. And also you want the kid to do well and be successful because that's why you came here. But also you don't want to lose what you've, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's like, I think it's a lot. And many of them don't really process what they're really trying to do. They're just sort of making it up as they go, I suppose. Yes. I feel like a lot of parents are. Yeah. Making it up as they go. (laughs) I know. But yeah. Oh, have you guys ever. Yeah, I was going to ask have you guys read. Do you know who Trevor Noah is? Do we know Trevor Noah? Do we know Trevor Noah? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just asking because I read his book, Born and Crying. Yeah. And he, he talks about the language and how speaking English was like, I don't know, like. A, a status symbol yep. and just like reminds me of colonization it still mm-hmm. is it still is in yeah. many parts of africa yes it is yeah. it is yeah. i mean yeah. we, we yeah. talk a lot about neo-colonization which is you know the i don't know yeah. if that's something you talk about a lot in bangladesh um or in your bangladesh in your bangla communities about the the um the the the, the, the way colonization continues to sort of be expressed in sort of yeah. modern forms um, yeah, at yeah. a distance, so to speak. Yep. You mm-hmm. know, across space so, and time. <laughs> I don't know if they if it's something that's talked about, but mm. since I 
was born like a little bit separated from it. Like I can see both my, well, my dad went to Victoria College, which is mm. like left over from when the British were there. Mm. And those were the good schools. And my cousins right now, I have one aunt still in Bangladesh. Um, they go to English medium school because, which is more expensive and you have to have higher test scores to get into because they want everyone to know English and because that that's how you're successful right yep so that's the rules i know (laughs) right and then the local schools like aren't as good so your country just sounds like mine it's it's just funny how the same colonizers different countries but almost the same stories and kind of like your countries the, the the british people have left like many years ago but have they really left you know exactly you know the mindset is still there and also like seeing how my parents view white people is really interesting because I can tell. So like my parents were always very strict about like religion. We have to marry someone Muslim. Like yeah. I was only allowed to spend the night at like the two Muslim friends houses that I had growing up. Um, and they were really strict about that. Like I was allowed to do schoolwork with everyone. That's fine. But I think they only wanted me to be closest to the other Muslims in the community um and then my sister married a white guy who he's he's the best i love him he's like a brother to me now but at first it was really hard um and i feel like the only saving grace was that like my parents view white people as like higher than us in a sense that like they're not and i can tell when my which is part of the colonial fruits isn't it yeah 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 so like they allowed it to happen. He also converted. Um and so they allowed it to happen, but I'm like if he had been any other race, would they have been like it would have been know. different. Plus his status, you know, he's a neurosurgeon, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> They're like, "Well, a diamond doesn't is an approved profession." <laughs> yeah. Cuz you know exactly. Asian and African parents, doctor, engineer, you know. Yeah. That's true. And I feel like my mom's always like, oh, what will his family think? Blah, blah, blah. And like always like Kate, like cooking meals for them, all this stuff. And I know that's part of our culture and they would probably do it for like any spouse. Mm -hmm. But to me, I'm like, is this extra treatment because they're white? Like, I don't know. Yeah. So I was going to make a silly joke, but I'll just pass on. Like, are you planning to maybe bring a white person home as a spouse? Just to continue that narrative, double the handbrake. They would be like, "Oh my you god, know, astronaut happening again!" <laughs> yeah, like a an engineer, astronaut, doctor, you know, profession. Because you know, the bar yeah. has already been raised. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, I was talking. I was talking with some friends recently about how even in Nigeria, we, you know, I grew up seeing people often treat white people in Nigeria with a bit sort of deference. You know, like even as yeah. little as things as like serving them before you, and it's like. You country. grew up doing that. They still do that, even at the airport. In my own country, why? Even at the yeah. airport. Why am I being treated, yeah, as secondary to someone else in my own country? But you know yeah. where it's coming from. It's coming from, like you said, it's coming from that history. Yeah. Right? Because you know what I love to do? Yeah, go on. This is really messed up. When I'm in my car and, like, someone walks by and the door's not locked, mm-hmm. if, they, if they're if they white, I'm no. like, I'm going I'm gonna to lock my door on purpose so that I hope that they hear that I lock my door. You know what it feels like, right? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for doing that for the tribe of women and minorities. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> Other yeah. people, I'm like, whatever. I mean, I don't actually think like I'm gonna be harmed. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, let me just do this. Let me just. <laughs> Yeah, but I I get I mean I get it on a sense because it's sort of like a pushback against because the truth is in a sense that stuff gets passed on to us too, doesn't it? And so right. it's like you know it's like pushing back against it and saying no, I will not defer just because um, if I'm going to defer, I'm deferring for a reason, exactly. but not just because of how you look and not yeah. because you're actually you know in a position of earned superiority <laughs> right? exactly. or, or or because like you're leading for a good reason or something like yeah 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 i, I was gonna ask though um because you you talked about you know we've talked about like your parents moving over here and and you know and i'm sorry now but i can't get kamala out of my head <laughs> this is what you did <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah but like obviously so like in you know like and, and obviously we've talked about the fact that parents often bring their kids you know one of the biggest reasons you know they're looking for opportunity right and yeah they want success for for themselves but often it's really for their kids mm-hmm. um so but also there's also traumatic reasons people move and in in, in miss marvel it was you know a lot of you had to do the partition um so i'm wondering and and obviously i don't know how much of this might be sensitive but i'm wondering what was it that to as much as you understand that let your that led your parents to move Mm-hmm. Um, so for my parents, yeah. it was yeah. Go on. For my parents, it was like maybe a little bit more straightforward. But my dad, uh, they come, he worked for Bangladesh Bank, and so they sponsored. They like paid his tuition to get his master's degree here, and so under the assumption that he was going to do his master's and then he did his PhD here, and then he was supposed to go back to Bangladesh. But then I think my parents saw that the standard of living here was better and like more opportunities for growth for their children. And then they decided to stay. So like my sister, two, two of my siblings were born before in the States. And then they decided not to go back to Bangladesh. And then they had to like pay back the tuition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so they, they really oh, wow. came for my dad's education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Came for the education and stayed for the kids. I stayed for the kids. Yeah. Because I think that my mom says that she thinks her life would be better if she was still in Bangladesh. And I mean, it is a very, it's a different life, right? Like you have people working for you, cleaning, stuff like that. Cooking for you. Here she had to do all that on her own. Like I don't blame her. But I think it's, the population is just, it's such a dense country and everything that's happening with climate change like we've been having those huge floods people are getting like expelled um it's just not the it's a very competitive place to grow up like if you want to do well you have to be the best yeah Mm. yeah and like i think my dad was the best and my mom also did like really well in school yeah and your mom has a phd too right my mom has a master's Masters, yeah Yeah. i mean you're well decorated in your family Yes. Yeah, 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 and I think what you said about your mom saying that Bangladesh would have been better. Most yeah. people don't realize that when immigrants come here, oftentimes they have to like start all over from the beginning. Like it's you a step lower down status. Yes, you have a <laughs> yeah. driver, a cook, a nanny. <laughs> I can't even afford to do that here. I know. <laughs> you know? Oh you know? man, you know? You know? it's you know? hard. Yeah, it is.
I was gonna say one thing that I just thought of about like being a second generation immigrant is how I know a lot of people are like you don't know which world you belong to like are you American or are you Bangladeshi and I've always seen myself as like Bangladeshi American a combination of the two but it's really interesting people fall in like so many different parts of the spectrum so like I grew up with when I went to college, I met this girl um, who's Bangladeshi American, and she, her life is a lot more like mine is. Um, maybe her parents are slightly less strict in terms of religion, whatever, but we did more or less like the same things. And then I moved to Philly and I met this girl who's like, she was born in Bangladesh. And then I was over at her house and we're going to eat like rice or something. And I was eating with my hand, which is like traditional what we do. And she's like, oh, wow, I thought you would need a spoon. And I was I was so offended. (laughs) I was like, so like the Bangladeshis, there is the I don't know what it is, like the viewpoint that. I'm not Bangladeshi enough, right? Yeah. The Bangladeshis will always be like, oh, this girl's Americanized. She, like, um, won't be able to eat with her hand, even though I was able to. <laughs> and then the American people are always like, oh, like, does your mom cook a lot of curry? Blah, oh, blah, geez. blah. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, that. not, is, what's that, um, what's that? Um, not American is, enough, not. No, I'm thinking of the Britney no, no, Spears no, no, no. song. Not yet a girl. Oh, or, not yet a girl. Or, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, no longer a woman, and um, not, not yet. yet a, no, not, yeah. no longer a girl. It's, exactly. it's like that, but culturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Quick one though. You said Bangladeshi American. Would it have yeah. mattered if you had said American Bangladeshi? Like, was there an oh. order to your? Or does it matter? I don't know. I just, I guess I thought the term was Bangladeshi American. Okay. Okay. No, I mean, I asked only that same question because I wanted to know, was there which was like, it was going to mean the same thing. So my What did she say? She said it didn't matter. Yeah. She I calls herself um, Italian Bengali. It didn't matter how she did it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's that thing of first author or last author, like depending on the genre, right? <laughs> which I have right. to wait. Oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd. Uh, my question was, because um, you kind of already touched upon it, I might as well expand on it. So what are those, those things that, say for example, if someone were to see you for the first time, what are those things they probably misconstrue about you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Where do I even start? So I wear the headscarf, the hijab. Yes. So everyone thinks Yeah, thanks for I'm... saying that actually, because most of our, well, I suppose they'll see it when we we'll put the picture up. The video, yeah, because yeah. Because can't but... see you right now. Yeah. She, she's always adorned in beautiful scars, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, so I wear the hijab. And so everyone that meets me assumes that I'm this like ultra conservative Muslim, um, which... I don't, I don't know. I don't view myself that way. I view myself in like as very moderate in most things. Like I'm even politically, like yeah. I'm liberal, but yeah. I feel like I'm a moderate liberal. I don't know, but I'm a Bernie Sanders fan, you know? So, so people would probably be like, yeah, she's very liberal. I, I can know. see a lot of Muslims just going like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So people see me and then first they like, don't know where I was born. They, you, I think people usually assume that I'm um, from Bangladesh until I speak, and then I don't have an American, and then I have an American, American accent. accent yeah. yeah, and then everyone will always ask the question, "Where, where are you from?" I'm like Pennsylvania, <laughs> always. <laughs> and then you say Williamsburg, and it's like, Ooh. <laughs> I know, right? 
and they're like oh what i meant to ask is like where oh are my gosh and i'm like you i just wish people would just ask what they wanted to ask mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just get to the point i don't know i remember once but... a genetic blueprint what's... you know i was going to yeah. say what's like i i want stories i want specifics <laughs> like mm. what's sort of like the weirdest or dumbest or like just whatever it was that made it sort of stand out in your memory as like wow you mean that actually <laughs> happened you oh, you, you open your mouth and that came up also or like whatever i don't know that came tumbling out good for you okay, so on this is on a dating app where i think it has a space to put your nationality or like family origin or something hmm. but mine was blank and then this person is like where are you from and i was like oh i live in oklahoma because i really thought that's what they we're wanting to know and then they're like oh you were raised there Mm -hmm. and i'm like no i was like hell no (laughs) oh yeah i shouldn't swear on the podcast no no i was like no i was like i was not raised in oklahoma i'm from the northeast and then he's like oh so where were you born and then i'm like pennsylvania it took it took like five levels i was like are you just and then i was like fed up because at that point I knew what was happening. And so I was like, are you just trying to figure out like where my family's from? We're from Bangladesh. And then he was like, oh, I didn't mean to be offensive. And I'm like, I'm not offended. I just wish that you had been straightforward. And it's like, I don't know. I wonder why it's so important, specifically on dating apps and like getting to know people for like the intents of marriage. Mm. Why does it matter where someone's from? Like it really Mm. just bugs me. Especially considering that the U.S. is so polycultural, right? Chances yeah. are people you meet are not from here. The, the way that people are going. The thing I find funny is, so I don't know if this happens in the U.K., in the U.S., but in the U.K., people will often say that they're from where they've lived for a long time. Mm. Which yeah. I found interesting when I came here. Um, because in Nigeria, you're from where your parents are from, <laughs> right? Like where you're from doesn't change. But here, it's more mutable. Um, apparently and so after a while when people would ask me where i was from um especially when i wasn't and because i was in edinburgh and then i moved to ipswich so when i was in other places other than edinburgh people asked where i was from i'd say edinburgh yeah just to mess with them yeah yeah <laughs> especially because like my accent sounds nothing <laughs> <laughs> like edinburgh or england or uk or anything like it's clearly not from here but I don't care. <laughs> and then I, yeah. I just love that moment of like three seconds of like, okay, what do I go from here? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it all depends on context. When people from Oklahoma, I'm like, when people from Oklahoma assume that I'm from here, ask if I grew up here, it's like kind of hurts me. Cause I feel like I'm a very, I was in DC for like seven years before this. And so I'm like, no, I'm from DC, but I'm, but I'm not. I'm like from Pennsylvania. I, I get right? the feeling you feel about Oklahoma like I feel about Ipswich. Oh yeah, everybody <laughs> in Oklahoma. Everybody that's not from Oklahoma because I, I I share those exact views in Mondrian. Like I don't want to be here. Like, I make it known and that I like just moved here. Do I look like I'm from here? But I, Is I, I it mean, obvious in, to you? I mean, in fairness to us, when people hear that we, because I came from Austin, right? People yeah. that even live here, what are you doing here? Like, they, they don't even have any faith. Wait, in what do Oklahomans call themselves? Oklahomans or Okies? Okies, or, what, Okies, Okies right? Because I think I've heard Okies weird. before. 
Yeah, but I don't like you calling them okay people. You will trigger right. a lot of people by calling them okay people because it's like, you know, oh yeah, yeah. Apparently, there's a thing. You can't call them okay people. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like that. you've just given Munjurin ammunition now. So, okay, <laughs> soon as, soon as, soon as, the, don't call Sinners them boomers. boomers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it's just a, it's a totally prideful thing, which I'm, I don't want to be a part of it. I Do know. you feel yeah. like... So, I want to ask about your academia, or maybe I'll let Alani ask that, but I want to ask do you feel like before we go into academia do you feel like um these issues have played out as well in academia but like in terms of um because i feel like you know for you like you've got you've got three things right um i worked with a junior doctor once who was um female and asian and one of the things that i realized because i'd worked with a female doctor who was white female and I remember realizing, oh, because, so I work in a male ward, right? And mm-hmm. with mental, uh, you know, severe mental, mentally unwell people. And there was a whole different level of experience that she had um, because mm-hmm. of her being female. And that was for the white female. And then when the Asian female came, obviously there was now being white and being Asian. Mm-hmm. And like, you are, you know, you're Bangladeshi, you're Muslim, and you're female. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... So how how does that play out in academia, which I think is already hard. I think for if you're a woman, if is is is, is my understanding of that. Um, yeah. But then you're also um, two other things in terms of your identity, the complexity of identity. Yeah. Um, how does that play out? Is that something you want to talk about? So I think that in terms of so I will say I'm like very not new to academia. But this is my first, like, I'm still a postdoc, so I haven't been applying for, like, faculty jobs, which I think is a very grueling process. And so maybe some of this would come out more where, like, I've heard from my friends who are, like, women of color, like, this person offered me a job and I think it's because I'm black. And so, um, but I haven't gotten to that that place yet. I feel like along my training route, it's been a little bit, I, I haven't run in, into any issues being a woman. Yeah. I feel like public health is like majority female. Um, mm, but it's funny because I feel like almost all the other students that I was with in my cohort are female, but then the faculty is like half, half men, women. And then the people in charge are usually men. <laughs> Or usually one yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but my department at UMD, um, they try to do a really good job and like try to have diversity. Mm-hmm. I think our current department chair at where I got my PhD is a black man. Um, so they try. I think I've been lucky because I went to GW and UMD, which they're both like diverse, really yeah. DC, mm-hmm. DC, and mm-hmm. so those places are diverse. Yeah, um, that helps. Exactly. Yeah. But then I moved to Oklahoma and I was applying. <laughs> and during the interviews... Sorry, that just made us laugh when you said, I moved to Oklahoma because it's a running joke. And then I, during the interviews, my one of my biggest concerns was like, I could tell that the people are nice where we work, that I was going to get great training. And I was like, what is it? Like, there was only one other postdoc who's an Asian female. And I was like, What's it like? Like, do you feel safe? Because in my mind, Oklahoma's like, but that was more about Oklahoma's where it's situated. 
geographically and not yeah, about yeah. academics. Like being in the yeah. South or... Yeah. 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 Right. And didn't you say your mom came with you to come see the place? She was so yeah, worried. She yeah, she yeah, yeah. She was so scared yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was fine. Um, yeah, so I haven't really... Like, I'm sure that it is harder, but my experience, mm. thankfully, because I went to these diverse schools, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, um, that's good. That's I, good. I will say, though... In my PhD program, um, I won't say her name. We had, I'll just call her a professor. Um, it was me and one other girl in my cohort is, she's Indian. Her name's Reva. She doesn't wear a headscarf. We look very different. She would always mess up our names. Oh, just Let me guess, she was a white professor. Yes. Mm, yeah. And older. Oh, jeez. You had yep. just one job. Always. And then I just wouldn't respond. She'd be like, <laughs> She'd be like, Rava, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, dead face. <laughs> I'm like, she couldn't be talking to me. <laughs> no, no Rava here. Yeah, yeah. Where's the Rava? Oh, I know. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I remember before you got hired, when Dala was telling me about you, like she was, oh, there's this new postdoc coming. And I don't know if you remember the first time we got on a Zoom call. I remember you asking me, are you safe? Like, do you walk around at night? And I'm like, those are really good questions. Because, right. yeah, I mean, from D.C. to Oklahoma, that's like a big move right there. It could I be as, as you know, the same thing as moving to a totally new country. So, yeah. Um, anyways, my next question for you was going to be this. But before I ask that question, you said you're just a postdoc. Honey, no. There's nothing like just a postdoc. You guys, you know, you run so much things, you do a lot, you know, and yeah. so never say just a postdoc. Um, I so know. It's, it's, I just it's like, it's like I if wouldn't... someone said they were just a millionaire or something. As like, in... I don't know. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, I just mean, like, I think the training process is different. Is it's, like, yes. Different yeah. than applying yeah. to jobs. I get that, but I didn't want the listeners to just think just a postdoc was just, just like being, not, like, no, it's intensive. And it's grueling work that they have to do because, you know, they're just out of school and then they're not yet, you know, on a tenure track yet or whatever, but it's still mm-hmm. equally as intense, if not more. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, my next question was going to be really about the academic part of things, even yeah. your research. Um, yeah. Man, BS in neuropsychology, call your public health master's mm-hmm. and then a PhD. What got you started in just public health and I don't want to do that whole, um, what's the word? You know how model minority and Asians and, and Blacks, mm-hmm. where you have to go a certain route. Were you yeah. on your path to medicine? Because I know your sister is also a doctor. Were you on your path to medicine or you've always been so interested in public health? And then I was going to follow up with questions about your research and things you do in the community. Yeah. Okay. So let me think. Okay. So how did I get into public health? Very good question. One thing that I just realized. Okay. So to answer your question, growing up, I, when I was super young, I wanted to be a veterinarian because mm-hmm. I loved animals. And then I realized that a lot of being a veterinarian is you have to put down animals. And so I was like, I, nope, not doing that. Um, but and then so then my next thing was like from a really young age i want to be a doctor i want to be a doctor right and so a large part of why i wanted that is because that's what in my small community of immigrants um 
all of the the uncles were all doctors and one one auntie um they're all physicians right and then my parents are my dad's a phd and my mom's a master they're both professors um and i felt like their my parents held those physicians and surgeons to like a higher a higher place so even though my parents were never like you must be a doctor i got the sense of how much they valued it mm. and so i was like i have to take this challenge on myself and like cuz if i was anything else like i my parents wouldn't respect me but they never said that that was like me interpreting how highly they value it um which is something that i only just realized like before i would tell myself the narrative that like my parents kind of like led me to believe that i had to do that like not really like i could have interpreted it a different way right and i thought that like i didn't have any autonomy growing up but maybe i had more than i thought i did you know um but my brother and sister who are older than me they're both physicians um my sister always wanted to do it and she loves it she's a neurologist my brother i think he wanted to do a P- oh also my parents were like as much so they held up being a physician but then they also held up getting a terminal degree <laughs> so like i don't know what they would do if i just had a masters or just just in quotes had a bachelors like i feel like they wouldn't be okay with it but I don't know. I would have to ask them. Actually, I think my parents explicitly said that like you have you can't just get a bachelor's. Like you have to do something <laughs> on that. Um but yeah, so right. In any yeah. case, I was like medicine is the path for me. I thought that's what I wanted. Even though like when I shadowed doctors, I was not excited about it. Mm. And like I tried to convince myself that I was excited about it, but I wasn't. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um and if I had just been Good honest with myself, <laughs> I wish I had just been more honest with myself, but I had like deluded myself into thinking that I thought it was so exciting and fun. Yeah. Um so I actually applied to med med school, got in. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't tell you this? No. Yeah. Um I didn't even finish out this. Oh, wait, let me backtrack. So I was pre-med in undergrad. Well, I was like bio, neuropsych. And then afterwards, I did a gap, not even a full gap year, but I did public health research and I just stumbled upon it. Like my sister had a connection in Philly. My brother was going to med school in Philly, and so is it cool I can live with him and I can do this research and it'll make me look better for med schools when yes. I actually do apply. So ridiculous. <laughs> um and so then I was working with at St. Christopher's and Drexel in Philly, um doing adverse childhood experiences work. And yeah. And so then that's like the first real taste of public health research I got and I really loved it. I loved that it was preventative. I loved that it was more population based. I just I was actually excited about it. And then I start my like first semester of med school and I was like this is not it. Like <laughs> I do not like this at all. Like and I kept telling myself, well I can stick it out and then I'll be sure to have a good job with a good salary and I can still do public health work, but it wasn't worth it like the stress and like how it was impacting my mental health um was 
just not worth it. Like, why would I stick it out when I could just get an MPH and study public health and do the thing I wanted to do anyways? Yeah. yeah. Like without the misery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I told my parents, I was like, no, like, it's not even worth me like finishing this semester. Like I don't, I really don't like it. And I know that I want to do public health research. Yeah. Yeah. So then I applied to MPH programs. My mom was like, do the um, MPH to PhD, PhD one. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I like it that much. Like maybe I'll be fine with just an MPH. I don't know what I want at this point. And then my dad stopped talking to me. <laughs> he mm-hmm. he didn't talk to me for like six months um, until I got my first acceptance letter, which was, I think, mailed to him. And like, I got a scholarship. It was so rude. He like, he was like, I think you're making a terrible mistake. Like, I think you should just stick it out and like do it. Because to him, and I understand it meant financial security. Yes, yes. And like being a doctor and being in the medical field is like a very straight path. And he doesn't know anything about public health. So to him, like to a guy who comes from a village who like worked his way out, like it's probably always has that awareness of this could happen. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. I guess that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's one of those traumas that we talked about at the start. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think we can even come to it here and talk about maybe for non-immigrants um, like us, non-immigrants listening to this podcast, they might be a little bit shocked that your parents can't do that. Understand that we're coming from countries that are not fully developed, and there's no intergenerational wealth to fall back on. Our parents want us to live life, you know, in a full and independent way, financial security. So them wanting us to go study courses like you know being a doctor and all that. It's because they want us to, you know, not rely on them in the future because they have nothing most of the time to give us. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't I don't want the takeaway message to be like, oh, my God, her parents yes. were so strict yes. and, like, yes. made her do these no. things. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's, a lot of it's, it. It's because of where we're coming from. Yes. And, yes. And, yes. Yeah. It's it's that knowledge of there's no there's no safety nets Mm-mm. for many right. people. Mm-mm. Exactly. And even though we are Bangladeshi, yeah. And I'm like, we're Nigerians. We understand what you're talking about because our parents do. I like that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like I think that my parents both chose economics because at the time that was like the, the most successful career that they could have. Yeah. And so like this this idea of like being interested in what you're studying. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that was a thing for them. You know, <laughs> they were like, this girl saying, she are you interested work. in suffering? <laughs> <laughs> Public health. What's that? I'm sure it's, they probably thought you're going to end up working in a coffee shop. No offense to anybody working in a coffee shop right now. Work is work is dignity. And I should say this so far, Mandarin, um, I immediately and I both think you're a great guest. Like you just, you, you're such a, you're refreshing to talk to and we loved all your responses so far. So just wanted to say oh. that here before I move on to the next question. So I know, I know for a fact that um, you're very well interested in refugee health and I know you've um, volunteered a lot. It was more from you that I heard because uh, I interviewed um, someone on my show who was Afghan American 
And when the whole Afghanistan crisis was happening last year, I mean, they've always been a lot of issues going on there. And you told me that fact about Oklahoma took in the third highest number of refugees. I would not have known that fact for you telling me. And I remember it like yesterday. And I know you also volunteer for the Sparrow Project. And you're trying to work together with them to develop some interventions that can help improve the outcomes of Afghan refugees. Why is this important to you? And what has been the most benefit you've gotten from working with this community, especially the underrepresented and often misconstrued population, the refugees? I mean, I think it's a lot because of like my identities, being Muslim and like being Bangladeshi, being Bangladeshi less so, but being Muslim, the highest countries, the highest amount of refugees come from Syria, I believe. And then Palestine is also one that has a huge number of refugees. And so I grew up with out of these five immigrant families in my hometown, one was a Palestinian family and one was a Syrian family and they were the ones we were closest to and a lot of stuff that happened in syria was happening as like i was growing up with my she's my best my best friend from childhood um and so like she was losing people like pretty on a regular basis um and just the thought of what a refugee is anyone who's displaced honestly it's just so heartbreaking to me i like feel like it's like being the most vulnerable at no fault of your own and like that's not to say that other populations it is their fault it's it's not um but to me i'm like they had literally nothing to do with like whatever's happening on a governmental level and they have to suffer and they have to move like it's just not fair um and then they get to a new country and they face all of these barriers like acculturation like just so many things that like, if I can help in any way, I would love to. Um, And I feel like I can do something like do a mental health intervention for this group. And it could go a lot longer of a way than if I were to help someone that already had resources. Like, I feel like they're very resource limited and I would like to give my time to do that. Um, So it's, it started off as like thinking like Palestinian and Syrian refugees, But unfortunately, we just the world keeps making more and more refugees. Um, And so I don't limit myself to just Muslim refugees, but refugees of all kind, displaced people of all kind. Um, But how I initially started getting into it was hearing the stories from my Syrian and Palestinian friends. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, speaking of being Muslim, um. I feel we, sh- we, we, we can't um, have this conversation and not talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. um, how, how has that played out for you? Like, what's been your, your faith journey? Um, especially because I think um, for someone who grows up in a religious so- sort of household, there's often this period of moving from the childhood to the sort of more adult faith, Right. And yeah. sort of coming to own it um, as yours and not just as, well, this is the thing we do in the house. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's a period in between of, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't care. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how much of that was your story. So I'm just curious to know where, what's, what's, what's that story been like for you? Yeah, it's, it's 
definitely been a journey. <laughs> when I was young, um, I actually, when I was young to school, I would wear a headscarf even before. So you technically like don't have to, some people debate whether you have to at all or not. Um, but generally speaking, like before puberty, you don't have to wear the hijab, but I wanted to, cause I was like, my mom dies and I looked up to her and I wanted to be like her. So I wore it and I was proud of my religion. Um, without knowing much about it, though, I'll say, when I was young. Um, and then I started going to Sunday school. I learned a little bit more about it, but I was young and, like, I, I don't know how much I took to heart, but I knew that I didn't want to be, like, I was strong in that. I was like, I won't let other people make fun of me for this. Um, and then, of course, you get older and start caring more about what other people think and, like, going on your own journey. So then in college... I was like, I'm not really sure what I believe in. I went to a school in the cent in central Pennsylvania. And so I actually took off my hijab, like the first one of the first few days of school. And my parents caught me. I was going <laughs> to say, did they find out? That? That, that was my first question. Like, How oh, did I can only imagine. Because I'm, I'm dumb. Did they die? <laughs> you took a picture or something and put it on. No. So they dropped me. Actually, I had moved in like a week before, oh, but then wow. they were visiting. Uh, but they were like bringing my brother to school. We all went to Penn State. And then they, okay, I had to go to like an orientation thing. And so my roommate was like, oh, just like don't wear. Oh, and I was wearing short sleeves, which <gasps> is another thing you're not saying. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then my roommate's They're like, oh, it's, it's fine. Over. They're We've gone lost by our, now. We've lost our daughter. We've lost her. Yes. <laughs> so then I'm like, I'm like, yeah, they're probably like gone at my brother's place by now so I can go to this orientation without my hijab and wearing short sleeves. And so I walk out and there was so much traffic because it was move-in day that they had just come around the bend. Yeesh. Right. And then and we so like it was even more obvious contact. that you, you, you were doing this with the intention of left, them yeah. not knowing. Not knowing, yeah. Yes! Oh, wow. And then my dad goes, my dad loves to pretend he doesn't notice anything. He's like, you must have forgot, huh? And I'm like, the immigrant family, you know, passive aggressiveness, right? They that's, don't want that's to buy right. yeah. I'll see you at home. Yeah, you're in <laughs> trouble, does. little one. Oh, dear. So bad. Yeah. Um, you must have wanted yeah, to so sink into the ground. I, oh, man. I feel, I can almost feel it the embarrassment. It was awful. Yeah. I feel like I'm so bad at hiding things. Like, I always get caught doing anything. <laughs> oh. Awful. But, yes, in college, I was, like, still identified as Muslim, but I... I think I wanted to learn more on my own terms. I feel like growing up, I got a lot of fear-based messaging, like, you have to do this or else. <laughs> One of my family members was like, if even a strand of your hair shows, it's going to turn into a snake and, like, bite you on the day of judgment. And I was like, like, now thinking back, that's traumatic. Um, that's hardcore. So, <laughs> huh? I said that's so hardcore. Yeah, I know. She is hardcore. She's like a grandma generation. Um, so, you know, like I was scared and I was like praying out of like fear of hell. And I focused so much on that. It wasn't until like recently, maybe past six, seven years since being in the D.C. area where I think like I found a community who 
they focus more on like the forgiving aspects of God and like the loving aspects. And then I started like studying Arabic, Quranic Arabic, so I can understand the Quran myself um, and just learning more about it. And I gravitate more towards those like feelings of like mercy and forgiveness and loving. So yeah, it was a journey. And so now when I do things, it's because I'm thinking like, God has given me so much that like praying five times a day is that that's like that's not much to ask for <laughs> like mm. I have like decent health I have family I have like I like life yeah <laughs> like it's a small thing to do yeah. so like now I do things more out of gratitude than as a before. response not as a sort of negotiation tactic payback yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. exactly hostage situation I for, yeah i think for most of us still that wants to go through that like i think the way i like it my faith journey to be was when i was with my parents it was like the collective insurance you know i was under mm-hmm. their insurance but when i left it was like especially when i came to the u.s i had to start figuring things out for my own so i went through that crisis of just having to shed some religious part of it away and find yeah. out what was personal to me, but also not just too personal, but how can I share my life and also walk in that faith? And it seems like you have gotten to that point where it's personal to you now. And yes. But there's an appreciation for at least your parents getting you started on that path. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. That's, that's really it. Um, we, I'm actually done with all my questions, but I know Ayomide is probably gonna well, have my we head on the pipe talk about if we Marvel. don't if we don't end with Miss Marvel. Yeah, so I'm gonna let okay. both of you do it out while I just meet my mic. Nerd tonight. <laughs> I, I don't know why you mean what you mean by duke. We're not duking anything now. There's no fight here. I just yeah, there's no fight. Here. Just just go for there, it. There's okay. beef coming from you. I feel that. Nerd but, you know. Yes, yes. Just like, nerd it really, out. Really, Mo? You like DC comics? No, really? actually, I like She likes Marvel, suffering. I don't... Wanna, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, But I hate to acknowledge it to Ayomedia. Don't tell him that I like Marvel. I just want to always be like an adversary. So that way you can have things to talk about. This is one of the things that helps our friendship, you know. One person has to be the advocate, the devil's advocate. And I do that for him. So he's very much mm-hmm, welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So let's talk about Ms. Marvel. I know he has a lot of things he wants to gush about. Yes. Well, yes. I, I want to hear your your thoughts on on on, on it because um so there's there's a lot I relate to, obviously. Um even though in many ways I'm not anything like Kamala. I'm not female, I'm not Muslim, I'm not the child of an immigrant. Um but yet um I, I have lots of friends who are parents of you know, children that they've they've either raised here or had you know had here. Um, so, and I really I relate to I relate to her parents actually, um, but I also relate to the children's struggle because I'm close to some of the kids. Um, and even though I'm not Muslim, I relate to some of the like. You remember that episode with the different types of categories of people in the mosque um, or in the Muslim yes. community, like. Yes, yeah. like you have those in church as well. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the the yeah. the super serious, like hardcore gangster types, and then the ones who are just like, yeah, whatever, we're just here because we have to be here, and then the ones who are just yeah. like, you know, like, and of course the aunties, because there's always the aunties. <laughs> you know? yep. But like, yeah, yep. I was just ask, like, what do you what do you love about it? What do you um? So it's kind of three questions. What do you love? What are you surprised by? And what do you have issues with mm. in any okay. order you wish let me think. 
I think she's answered the last part though about the yeah my family. yeah you, you'd like that wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, have a white friend uh, and your parents will make an eyelid and go out late. <laughs> right, I'm like when he texts and he's like meet on the roof in ten. I'm like meet on the roof. <laughs> first there's no roof and then there's no going out after 7 p.m i was like i was texting with my friend um and she's like did she go out the window for that meeting too she used to the door i don't know but it's funny i mean it's not even in it yeah like it's fine that's her story like am i jealous of this teenager with more freedom than me yes but that's fine um what i think i really love about it is how they have these like little snippets of our culture like the mosque shoes that we talked about mm-hmm. um there's that one part when she faints at dinner do you remember this part and then her brothers like yes. get the zumzum yes and like yes. start doing yes. a little prayer yes and i'm like that was such, a, such a that was such a deep cut <laughs> yes i'm like wow i can't believe they brought up zumzum yeah. water but like it's true, and then so I. So, like, did you know Zamzam water? Peters. It's like holy water. Huh? I think it's. I may be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Mount Sinai is sort of like the Muslim version of what Christians would call holy water. Holy water, yeah. What that you prayed upon? Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's like when Prophet, I think Ibrahim, yeah, um, left his wife in the desert with their son. Yeah. Oh, um, right. And she was searching for water. Uh, right. This like oh, spring of water yeah, came, came out. out. Right. Okay, okay. Yes. And we like believe it's unable to be tainted and also like it'll keep flowing until like the day of judgment. Right. Um but that's not common knowledge. Yeah. And so I was like it's so nice that they put that in there for like Yeah. The cult like the for the small culture. subset of people that will know, it's so nice. But the context, yeah. so you can sort of guess what the water like. I don't know what this water is, but it must be special. Yeah, because yeah. they're bringing it out for so like that... the desperate situation. Yeah, and I think maybe another part is that I like how Hollywood has actually. Well, I'm not, not going to say Hollywood, but at least Disney, they've done a good job of making their cast more diverse and their writers because they should yeah, have done even that behind the camera the as well like yeah, yeah. the writers especially yeah because yeah. well, you can tell that you can tell that the yes. writers know what they're New, talking about yes probably they had a muslim on there <laughs> that knew about them a muslim i feel like the whole writing Sorry. room is muslim <laughs> probably <laughs> there has to be a white person over and over that let's probably, not lie about it because it's disney yeah but yeah yeah <laughs> And in the newest episode, they go to Karachi. Yeah, and I feel like they make it seem so beautiful. Like they, they they focused on the beautiful aspects of it, and I'm like, I'm glad because I'm sure a lot of people who don't know much about Pax, like Southeast Asia yeah. are watching this. And like, if this is their first interaction with this type of like Desi culture, yeah, like it's a really nice one. And I feel like usually it's just portrayed like war-torn areas yeah so I, I but like this is like how that. this is how the people from there see themselves not yeah. this not yeah. how they're seen by other people right and then one thing that i was kind of shocked that they put in was how but like i'm glad that they did it at first i wasn't sure how i felt was when they showed how the women's side of the mosque was like yeah. more run down yeah. than the men yeah yeah but then I was like, I really like the way they dealt with it because A, that is true. I've been to mosques where like I'll be going in through the front door and then people will be like, 
oh no, like the sister's entrance is here to the side. And then I'll be going into a basement. Mm. And like, I do not like that. Why did it? Why is that? Why is that? Why is this? Why is the clear disparity between that? I mean, I, it's like the female bathroom is actually cleaner than the male bathroom. (laughs) Oh, yeah, patriarchy, never mind. Yeah. 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 But like, the town I've thought it the other way around, but yeah, I think it makes sense. Sorry, the town you grew up in. Sorry, go ahead. The town I grew up in, because um, there weren't that many Muslims, like, we had a really small, mosque masjid area and so the men and women's side they were like equally good mm. they were equally bad but equally like they were the same it was equitable right um and so it was weird to like it's weird for me mm. to then go to mosques where like the women have to go to a different area like we did have separate sections where i grew up but yeah. it wasn't one was better than the other they were, they were um, equally but I the way they did it Right. Yeah. I like the way they did it because they had this young girl. Yeah, Nakia. Like, right. Who's so cool. Like, decide that she wants to be the change and that she can make a change. And then, like, the imam is on board with it. He's like, yeah, you should run. Yeah. Like, that's really nice. Yeah. yeah. You guys can't see this right now, but I am in his element. Like, you know when that happens when... <laughs> His nose like grows like twice the size, and his eyes are like popping like Popeyes. Yeah, Stop casting right aspersions now. on me. <laughs> it's not aspersions; it's a visual cue I'm giving. Like I'm just relaying what I'm seeing right now because you can't see the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, 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 that yeah. that's my take on it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What what is is that is that what surprised you? By the way, or have you mentioned that yet? Like something you weren't expecting that took you by surprise for good or ill? Zamzam water. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. But so I was surprised that they highlighted the difference in the women's and the men's side. Right, okay. Because I was like, oh, like, I guess to me, the show is highlighting the good parts of like mm. being Pakistani, being Muslim in America. And so I was like, oh, why would they show that like the women are like treated like differently? Yeah. Like that's a bad thing. But the way that they chose to handle it, I think, is positive. Yeah. And I mean, like there's people that is who are pushing happens. back against it as well. Exactly. And it is what happens. And so they should show it. Like, those things do need to change. Yeah. So great. I'm fine with it. Yeah. 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 That, thanks for that. That's, yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and funny enough, I, I had that thought about that bit as well. Like, well, go on, you're about to say yeah. something. Oh, because, like, I'm, like, sometimes I feel like I have to be protective mm-hmm. Absolutely, of, I like, get that. the mosque. I get that. It's, it's a minority yeah, thing. We always feel yeah. the need to protect. Yeah. Especially when you know you're mostly seen negatively. You really want exactly. to make sure you become hypersensitive to, to that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm, like, don't show that. But, like, it exists. So show it. Yeah. And show that we're doing something about it. Yeah. I was yeah. talking with some friends recently about how, like, where where you hope we get to is where we can we can we can afford to be as bad in public as majority cultures. Yes, yes. Do you know what I mean? Like where we, we don't have, have to, to be perfect. Yes, yes. But like no, yes. yeah, we can be bad too, and yeah, because without having it reflect on the entire culture. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, but it's like it's we like do. this sort of yeah. process of like. You start off looking like terrible people and then you get to where you're seen as okay, maybe there's some good ones, and then you have the sort of minority, sort of model minority, and then you get to right, well, there's lots of good ones, and then you get to 
yeah, but you know, they can be bad too, and that's fine. They're human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, it is human. Yeah, but, but I think this is, this is the first stage we're seeing. Like, at yeah. least there's some representation. Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, and with time, it can get refined. Hopefully, they don't like lose this momentum. Because my goodness, right, <sighs> right. So that's why I was like, when I did the poll of like, how strict are your parents compared to Kamala? Yeah, I'm like, should I even do this? Because I don't want to make it seem like I'm like mad about something that happened. Because overall, I'm so happy. Like, yeah. I'm so thrilled that the show even exists. But like it's okay to be happy about it and be like, there's this one aspect that was annoying. Like that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be black and white. Well, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you about one gripe with the show actually, which is sort of a weird gripe. Is I feel like it's an amazing show. I love the music, by the way. We haven't talked about the music. It's got like oh my the God, most I amazing love the music. music. <laughs> yeah. But the one Riz Ahmed song. Yes yes to deal with it oh yes it's and bad. like the way yeah. they bring them in and the it's not just the music is great but then the way the music comes in is always so good as well like the specific so just just the combination of like the music and the and the cinematography and everything uh, and the actor is great like what's her name um, imani zelani iman zelani oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's she's just her facial expressions had to die for and i think it's her first time acting it, it is i looked her up and i was like imdb is one is one her filmography is one thing <laughs> yeah that's crazy it. it's it's wild to me she's so amazing she she oh, yeah. she carries that show as far as i'm concerned but my only i'm one degree oh go ahead no go ahead I was going to say, I'm like one degree separated <laughs> from the actor that plays her brother. Because um, the friend I was telling you about is mm. really similar to me. Is he Fawad? That I, mean, Fawad Fawad? I don't even know uh, his name. Sagar. His name's Sagar. I don't know right. his last okay. name. Okay. Um, my friend that I met in college that were like family friends, they're like really pretty close friends in LA. <laughs> like hang out all the time. I wow. think they're in Turkey right now <laughs> too. Living, and living, she's living like it friends up. with his wife and everything. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I'm like, I'm almost famous. Yes. <laughs> yes. Own it. Yeah, micro famous in the moment, yeah. really. You know. Like, well, after being on your podcast, I am famous. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. and then we'll round up. I was gonna say my only gripe with the show, and it's 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 a weird gripe because it's almost like a victim of his success in a sense, is it's so good at like the cultural part and i love how it's doing that that i feel like it's almost forgetting the superhero parts a little bit i like the superhero mm. but like when i say forgetting like it's there but it's almost like not as interesting yeah. i don't know if you feel what i'm saying so it's almost like yeah. it's almost like they wrote it for that and they almost forget to write that bit as well and like right. as a superhero show i'm not feeling it as much but as a fun show about a very interesting young lady and like her life and her trying to sort of yeah. find her place in the world, it yeah. is amazing. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. Like Spider-Man is all about like how he gets his powers and then like how he wants to be Spider-Man. And yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe it will ramp up. But to me, mm. like the fighting scenes when she's using her powers, yeah. those are like the least interesting to me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what <laughs> I'm, I'm like, saying. I can fast forward to this. Plus, yeah. plus the CGI is not great for those bits. But again, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's budget issues. Who knows? You never know. But we, I don't know. We can't have everything. <laughs> yeah, but I love, I love what we have. And it's act. 
I, I only realized this by my third episode. This is actually my favorite show so far of all the Marvel shows, except WandaVision, the beginning, like the first half. I thought you liked Spider Verse. No, I mean the, the Marvel oh, sure, shows, sure, okay. the TV shows. Oh, yeah, never mind. Series, after okay, after okay. WandaVision, I felt like it's just been downhill. And like, for oh me, this God. is like my favorite so far. What was the last one called with um, the Hawkeye one? I, no, I like the Hawkeye, Hawkeye was fun. The one after that. But with the guy with the different personalities. Oh, Moon Knight. I didn't like that one as much. I you didn't like it? No. I like that one. I didn't like it as much. I it was weird. And maybe maybe it's because I'm also in psychiatry. And so psychiatry things tend to annoy me a little bit because of how much they get wrong. And then most personality disorder yeah. things just like, oh come on, not this again. It's constantly always doing his eyes, by the way, when he watches those things. So it may yeah. have been it may have been that for me. It might be because my my brother's a psychiatrist and he cannot stand as soon as anyone in a show brings up psychology or psychiatry, he's like, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. And he just doesn't there's, watch. There's a few good ones I like. Like Iron Man's PTSD in Iron Man 3 was amazing and yeah. well done. Most personalities that I tend not to like as much because it's very rare, but people just love it for stories because it's fun narratively. So, you know, people, but it's overused. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, in real life, most psychiatrists will never see one. <laughs> that's right. That's how right, common yeah. it is. So you would think it's super common from the way shows are always going on about it. But it's like, right. yeah, it's like, come on. Can we tell other stories? Oh, is it a DID? There's so much more to mental illness than... Is it DID? Em- yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Than this thing that <laughs> most people don't even see. I've never seen one. Yeah. Most people don't yeah. see one. Some people even dispute if it's, if it's if a it's real diagnosis. Real, yeah. Yeah, that's how yeah, rare it is. Right. You right. know, so but yeah, that's that's just me griping. Don't mind me. Yeah. <laughs> Mandre, this we, has been so keep, good. Yes, we can keep we can keep you on for like another extra hour. You're so fun to talk to, and your your speaker quality, by the way. I mean, yeah, I've been texting back and forth. Cause yeah, what what mic are you using? Yeah, what mic are you? Using? Oh, I'm using my Dell, my work laptop. No. Oh, see, it's a Dell, right? You mean dead to Apple? Apple could never. <laughs> So there's another thing I really likes. You know, no one can be perfect. He has vices. He likes Apple products. Yeah. 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 So I don't like Apple products. His, um, defects. Correction. I like Apple. Well, okay. See that there you go. That's another I, part of the problem. I feel like that may be worse, but whatever. I'm only <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just showing the chronic nature of your problems. <laughs> but anyways, this has really been fun. Um, it's been so boys, good. Your enthusiasm, just you know, your person as well. And your insights. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Thank yes, guys. Yes, you guys yes. Are sweet. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, this is fun. Thank you. Thank you. If there are any other times you want to come back on the show to talk about issues that you have, you know, particularly, you know, passionate okay, so about. I think we, we should do one once I get my data back from the Afghan oh, yeah, yeah. needs assessment. Yes, yes, yes. Then Let's we do should. It. it finally, finally was approved by IRB. Congratulations. That took a short time. <gasps> a short time? Oh, yes. Funny. It took so long. Girl, oh IRB, it's been yeah, like a year. Girl, that's a short time. Oh, okay. on, girl. It's just so hard to do this, like, cultural, a, a different culture and language mm. than your own. Than your own yeah. like, so my dissertation yeah. was in Bangla, so at least I knew that. Yeah. But, like, Dari Pashtu, I don't know that. Oh, Farsi. So, like, they speak Farsi too, right? You, yeah. 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 But so the most common are Pashtu and Dari, okay. so I, right. I did that. Yeah. Um, 
it's just did you have to do the translating and, and back translation thing and back, that, yeah, yeah you have to do that exactly. yeah. That that is so oh, it's yeah. complex yeah 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 and how many speakers are there in oklahoma that are quite good so okay you know what makes it even worse so there's like what 1800 people in oklahoma in oklahoma city like a thousand a little bit more than a thousand um but um 90 of them don't read or write so, so they can speak it but then they don't, they, exactly they don't, oh. so i'm doing all of this for what like 20 people will be able to read and take my survey but, but still, then the it's rest still, it's still something right the rest i'm gonna do interview style. oh so can get yeah. that yeah yeah right yeah. so but you know we'll bring you back it's finally like in the process yes we'll so bring you back. We'll, bring you back. well guys this was a show yep, we can talk about the end of marvel sorry <laughs> Yeah, and yes. the Marvel movies because she's going to be in the the Miss Mar- the next Captain Marvel movie. Yes, I didn't know that. Yes, I think it's going to be called the Marvel. Oh my god, uh-huh. that's cool. Yep, yep. So she's going to be in a big proper movie. That's great. Yes, good for her. Good for her. Oh god, yes, it. absolutely. Um, but, and good for the culture yes, that we like finally yes. get positive representation. Yes, yeah, yes. Well, I'm waiting Love for it. Nigerians, by the way, because you know we make up. Wait, a is large Trevor gap. Noah no, Nigerian? He's African, but Nigerian no, immigrants South in the US, we make up the largest share of black immigrants in the US, and that's going to change the ethnic, you know, diversity, especially for the black population. Come 2054, mm-hmm. you know, because we went from 806,000 Nigerian Im- black immigrants in 1995 to uh, to 2.5 million in 2016 mm-hmm. so 5.2 million yeah so that's really changing the ethnic composition but anyways um it was nice having you on the show and this has been yeah. the show with more and ayomi day catch you guys and the wonderful mandarin yes and mandarin all right i'm gonna end